0: Much to sing about. And like the Old Testament scripture tells us, that which is dead can come alive by faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to continue looking at the Psalms today. We're going to be in Psalm 62. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible or in your Bible app to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms, and go to Psalm 62. It's a great life, is the name of the sermon series. And indeed, I believe that with all my heart. Um, This past week, I was going through the Facebook pages of some of my friends. I had a few moments at the end of the day when I wanted to rest and and focus on something besides work and responsibilities. And so I'm in Facebook, looking at some of my friends' Facebook pages, uh, catching up a little bit. And uh, I came to the, to the page of one of them, he's a couple years older than me, and he, he looks like he lives in a fitness center. And, and then I looked down at myself and I said, oh no, what's wrong with me? And, and I looked at, at the picture of my friend, and I looked at myself, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm a slacker. And then he and his wife, who is my age, they're both retired And I don't know about you, but I don't know how I'll ever retire. I'll be working, you know, forever. So there's that. And I kept going through Facebook, and another one of my friends had moved into a beautiful house, and I think I have a nice house. We do have a nice house, and it's more than adequate for our needs, and I should be satisfied with that, but I see this new house of a friend of mine that they'd moved into, and and uh, marble countertops, and, uh, you know, the square footage of the house, the flooring, the wood flooring was just beautiful, and, and the new paint, and everything was just immaculate. And I thought, wow, I want to live in a house like that. And I looked at my house and I said, my house is not so much like that. Then I found another friend, and he was doing all these fantastic family activities. He had cool pictures of of himself and all his kids and grandkids, things like riding bicycles together. They had another picture of them kayaking together. And I I started thinking, I'm not doing enough with my family. What's wrong with me? Um, I kept going through the pictures, and I began to struggle with something that we all struggle with, contentment. Have you ever looked at your life, at somebody else's life, and said, I wish I had that? Have you ever struggled in the area of contentment? We all do, from time to time. Everything we see on social media is edited, cropped, filtered, and nobody shows a picture of themselves yelling at their spouse, right? Um, I And there are some creepy people on social media that, you know, show some things that they probably shouldn't, but how many have you seen taking a selfie while they're being fired at work? Uh, how many people are at the store and they're taking pictures of themselves and right down at the bottom don't have enough money to buy groceries. I'm totally stressed out. I know there are a few, I'm sure, that do that, but most of us don't. Today I want to talk to you about something profound and amazing. How you and I can find contentment in our life. Do you know that contentment isn't based on your circumstances? A lot of people think, if I could get enough money in the bank, if I could get my spouse to do this, if I could just achieve this certain goal then life would be good and I could finally be content with where I am. What we are going to read today from God's Word is that contentment is much more profound than that. And it's much more profound than most of the time, many times, than what we know. It's not living in a perfect bubble... It's deeper. I have a definition for you. Contentment is being satisfied where you are while you are working toward where you are going. Now, it doesn't mean you are la- You can be lazy. It doesn't mean you don't have a dream or a goal for your life. We should all have dreams or goals. But sometimes we get so wrapped up in achieving goals... And so wrapped up in getting to that next level, we can't enjoy where we are right now, today. That isn't how God wants us to live. This is what we're going to do this morning. Learn how to live in contentment. The Apostle Paul said to his disciple Timothy in the the letter in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, he The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think that's a fantastic scripture. You'll have an exceptional life if you have godliness and you have contentment. Put those together, godliness and contentment, and you will have great gain. Today let's look at three things that are significant for us to walk in contentment. During week one of this series, It's a Great Life, we looked at Psalm 51, and we found where and how we can have victory over guilt in our lives. We all need to truly live free from guilt, don't we? Last week, from Psalm 32, we talked about overcoming shame. This morning, we are continuing with our look through the Psalms, and in Psalm 32, it's about contentment. It's a psalm of praise to God in the middle middle of tremendous adversity that King David is experiencing. So let me read for you and follow along in your Bible, uh, Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion, or put vain hope in stolen goods, though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And... You reward everyone according to what they have done. The Holy Word of God Himself from Psalm 62 for us today. Trust. The first thing we learn if we're going to be people of contentment is to trust God. You will never live a content life if you don't trust God. Trusting God is number one in living a content life because if we don't trust God... You will trust only yourself. You'll never be content if you believe that life is all about you. And that it is up to you to meet your needs and to take care of what you have. The question is, do you really trust God? Do you believe that life is all up to you? Or do you believe God is a sovereign being? And he's checking out the circumstances of your life. And you can trust him. A lot of people today don't trust God. If you don't trust God, you believe it's all up to me. If it is going to happen, I have to make it happen. The first consideration in living a contented life is money. The psalmist David says we have to trust in God. We must trust God first. Often we find con- what we find contentment from is money. You think, oh, the world is falling apart, but I do have some money in the bank. Some of us are saying, I'd like to have that. I'd like to try that sometime, huh? Money is the number one factor that brings contentment. From verse 10 of Psalm 62, Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. David says that when you're doing well and you have some money in the bank and your financial resources are growing, don't put your confidence in it. It's gratifying to have money, but don't trust money. Trust God. Trust in the Lord first. The more we have, the more temptation there is to trust in our money rather than to trust in God. The problem with trusting in money is, What are you going to do one day when you don't have as much? Then, all of a sudden, you always have to have more to be satisfied. I set up a compensation goal when I was in my 20s, starting a sales career. And I thought, oh man, if I could just make that much money. And I made that much money. And I have to tell you, it wasn't so terrific. Uh, We always feel like we have to have more. If money is the driver, money is never enough. Part of our flesh cries out, More! 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 Now! 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 God says, Trust me! Trust me! Trust me! So, trust God. Another factor in leading a conclusion content life is friendships. Can you still be content when you don't have any money and you don't have any friends? I believe you can. You can trust God. You trust what God is doing in your life. You trust God's leadership. Let's look at Psalm 62 verses 8 through 10, where it says, Trusting in him at all times, you people. In the good times and in the bad times, trust God. Pour out your hearts to him, it says. People who trust God, talk to him in prayer. And they pour their hearts out to him. Are you pouring your heart out to God? And then it says, for God is our refuge. God is our refuge. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. In other words... Don't take advantage of people. We have a tendency to trust God as long as everything is going pretty well. I trust God. My job is strong. My kids are doing well. My family's good. Oh yeah, I'm trusting God. Sign me up for that, right? Can you trust God when everything in your life is not going well? Can you trust God when you're scared about your job and your career and if life isn't going perfectly at home and your physical health is deteriorating? Can you trust God in those moments? David was a man who learned to trust God in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. He learned to trust God. And he's saying to us today, listen, if you're going to be a person of contentment, you have to trust God. God, I like this part because in the Psalms we see not only that David the psalmist trusts God, but also his focus is on God. We have to uh, read Psalm, or excuse me, we have to read Second Samuel to truly be able to understand Psalm sixty-two. This Psalm sixty-two was written to God, but it is written. W- with the backdrop of David going through a very difficult time. He's the second king, the great king of Israel. His son, Absalom, tries to undermine him, to take the throne away from him. Absalom stands at the city gates where people come in and out, and he stirs up dissension. He undermines his father's authority. He makes little comments to cause doubt. He intentionally seeks out the people who are already angry and tries to make them angrier at his dad. He tries to bring about this tremendous coup. It is out of that pain in David's life that he writes Psalm 62 about contentment. David's life is not rocking along this this great thing. He writes this out of his own struggle, the betrayal of his son the backstabbing the lying Absalom also t- takes with him some people that David cares for and loves this is a huge mess in so- in 2nd Samuel now focus david finds his strength in god and he trusts in god because his focus is on god where's your focus When people oppose us and fight us and betray us, our tendency is to put our eyes not on the Lord, but on others. We wake up in the morning and we're thinking about them, not God. We're thinking about how we are going to strangle them. In Psalm 62, David admits that he's going through this heartache in two verses. The other ten verses are all about God's greatness. David says, I'm not going to whine about my problems. I admit I have problems, but my attention is on God. My focus is on God. Here are a few examples. In verses 1 and 2, David says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. David isn't thinking about the bigness and badness of his enemy. He's thinking, I will focus on the strength of my God and I will not be shaken. I love the word that's used here, rock. In the original Hebrew language, it means a big, massive stone. Not a not a pebble, not God is my pebble. No, God is my boulder. God is my rock. He says, as he continues in verses 6 and 7, Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. He repeats what he says in verse 2, because... That is his focus. If we keep repeating certain things, it is because we are focused on them. Let me ask you today, are you focused on your problems, or are you focused on the rock? Are you focused on what is not right in your life, or are you focused on the greatness of God? Are you trusting God? Then verse 11 gives another illustration. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. He's saying, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm trusting God. If I would have written the Bible, or one of us would have written the Bible, written this chapter, um, maybe we would have talked about how angry we were at our enemies, or how big and bad our enemies were. David is talking about the, the bigness and the goodness of God. Where's your focus today? Are you trusting God? Trusting God is putting your confidence in Him, even though we don't have it all figured out and we're not sure of what is going on. You feel you are on, about to step off the ledge, you feel like you're in a black hole. You're not sure of of how it is all going to work out. Have confidence in God. Trust in God. So where is our focus? Where are our thoughts, our prayers? What is on our mind? Where is our heart, our soul? Is our expectation upon the greatness of God? Or is our expectation on the power of our enemies? God is greater than any of your enemies. If you don't have any enemies now, you'll have some pretty soon. I'm telling you, try to walk with God. You try to do something for God, but there will always be haters in your life. That's just part of it. If you want to crawl in the fetal position and do and say nothing, maybe even then you'd have enemies. But the rest of us, are going to have to live with having some enemies in our life. People who are jealous of you. People who despise you. People who want what you have. People who want to undermine you. That's real. That's the truth. But let's not turn our attention on them. Let's put our attention on Him. Let's put our attention on the Lord. Amen? Let's put our Our focus on God. Let's not be distracted. Let's not be going off over here. No, let's look straight ahead. Let's look at the Lord. David says, my eyes are on God and I am looking at the Lord. My God is a rock. Absalom is a pebble in my shoe, but God is a boulder. We need to be reminded of that, don't we? The sovereign God who is in control is amazing. God is amazing. There is nothing too great for God. Your problems are nothing compared to God. Don't forget that. It's not that your problems are small or or small to you, but they're nothing in comparison to the greatness of God. Don't forget it. And it's from this focus, from this trust in God, that David finds himself Resting. Rest. In verse 1, the psalmist says, Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. And then in verse 5, he repeats himself, Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. He talks about rest. What is David talking about? He's talking, is he talking about taking a nap? I don't think so. He says, my soul finds rest. Not just I had a good night's sleep, but my soul finds rest in God. Sometimes your soul can be weary. Sometimes your problems aren't about your physical body, they're about your soul. Your soul is not well. David says, my soul has found rest. There's a moment when we trust in God, and our focus is on God, And God begins to give us an easiness in our own spirit. A peace in our own heart that comes from Him. David is telling us, I won't be shaken because my focus is on the Lord. But I have found rest in God. In verse 1, David says, I find rest. He's making a declarative statement, stating something that is. In verse 5, He makes a command. In the original Hebrew language, this is an imperative. It's an instruction, a command. And literally, it would read, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. I love that contrast. In verse 5, it's almost like David is preaching to himself. Like he's telling himself, Now, soul, you have to rest in God. Sometimes you, you have to preach to yourself. Sometimes you have to let the Word of God speak to you. And you have to preach it. David says, I know this, but I have to preach it to myself. My soul finds rest, and it finds rest in the Lord. I have to remind myself. Sometimes, it's not necessarily about learning new information. Sometimes with God, it's about reminding ourselves of what we already know. It is doing what we already know is right. David says, My rest is in the Lord. And when our focus and our trust is in God, then our soul will be at rest. Is your soul weary? Or is your soul restful? Is your soul plugged in? Is your soul revived and refreshed? We live in a time when we have more technological breakthroughs and more conveniences than at any other time in human history. We have robots that will vacuum your house. Is that the coolest thing ever? I need a robot. You can take your car to the car wash and it will wash and wax the car. Now, think about it. That's amazing. I remember back in the day when you could run your car through the wash, but then you had to hand wax it at home. Now they do it all at the same time. That's incredible. There are iPhones, smartphones, we can work 24 7 right there from the palm of your hand. It's really something. There's more computing power in this phone that I'm holding in my hand than the computer equipment that would fill this whole sanctuary when I worked on uh, electronic equipment in the Air Force. It's really something buy things, check things out, order things, learn things, research things, send emails, messages, texts. It's crazy what we can do. You would think all these modern conveniences would help us rest more. But a USA Today survey that came out not too long ago said people today are more tired and wearier than at any other time in American history. They have more stress. Why do we have more stress even though we have more conveniences? Well, is it because our soul hasn't learned to rest? Our soul rests when we're plugged into God. When we worship God. When you come to church, it is soul rest. It gets you energized for the week. In the morning, when you open the Word of God and you bow your head and pray... You know what happens? Soul rest. Your soul, your inner person begins to be revived and resuscitated. There's a sickness today. It's a a diagnosis called hurry sickness. Psychologists are talking about it a lot, as a matter of fact. And it's being confirmed by cardiologists and other medical doctors that they notice a trend upward in cardiac problems because people are in such a hurry all the time. They don't know how to rest. And it's true, it can be hard to rest. Um, I'm a line hopper. One time I was at the grocery store and I sized up two cashiers and the people they were checking out and I was thinking slow line, fast line. And I, I jumped into one line and... And then I looked over at the other line, and and there was nobody behind the person being checked out. So I went over to that line. So I'm not kidding. Right after I did that, the lady broke out a collection of coupons a mile long. She was the coupon lady. It was like she'd been clipping coupons for the last decade and brought them all to the store today, right in front of me in line. The cashier was scanning them, and I thought... Oh, I'm getting out of this line because this lady is going to argue with the manager if even one of those coupons is one day overdue. I jump back in the first line. I'm so glad nobody was behind me so I could get back over there without losing my spot. Sometimes it's hard just to be still. The modus operandi of our life is hurry, hurry, faster, faster. God doesn't work that way. Jesus has oneness with the Father. He and the Father are one. And they were one when he was on earth. And he had to pray all night just to get the names of the twelve disciples. We pray about one thing in a minute and we expect an instant answer. God doesn't always work that way. So, we need to learn to rest. Part of resting in God is waiting on the Lord, waiting on God's timing. Let's be people who wait on the Lord, not people who are running back and forth from line to line to line, trying to find the easiest and quickest exit. But let's be people who choose confidence and trust in the Lord. Listen, when you trust God, you will wait for Him. You will know this, God's way is going to be better. It doesn't make sense to me maybe, but I trust God. That's what trust is. That's why we call it trust. Sometimes we think we have to understand everything God is doing. You know what? You don't have to understand anything God is doing. What you need to do is trust Him. When you trust God, He will show you what you need to know. Where is your focus? When our trust and our focus are in order, we have that rest in our soul. We have the ability to slow down with God. Resting is so important, isn't it? So... Choose to be content. How many times do we rest, focus, trust, and wait for God to do His thing? Is our contentment in living in a perfect bubble where every single thing comes exactly in order? When we think contentment is going to come by, I received this and this and this in perfect order, now I'll be content. A lot of people who get their lives in order still are not content. Then they move into apathy because it wasn't all they thought it was. They think they have their life in order and everything they wanted, and then they didn't find the contentment that they thought that was going to be there. Your life, your life, my life, your life, my life, is never going to be perfect. Let's be people who trust in God. Let's be people who focus on God. And let's allow our spirit To rest in Him. In that, we can be people of great contentment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, still our hurried hearts. And give us the grace to focus on You. To trust in You. To wait on You. And to receive what we can only receive from You. A lasting contentment. We love you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. I love you.